The Bible gives us signs to watch for that will reveal the season of the Lord's return. What are those signs? And do they point to the Lord's imminent return? Stay tuned. Lamb and Lion Ministries presents Christ in Prophecy, a program that focuses on the fundamentals of Bible prophecy, showing how current events in the news relate to biblical predictions of end time events and the soon return of Jesus. Now, here's your host, Dr. David Reagan. Greetings in the name of Jesus, our blessed hope, and welcome to Christ in Prophecy. Once again this week I have my two preaching and teaching colleagues in the studio with me, Nathan Jones and Tim Moore. Now Nathan is an associate evangelist and he also serves as our web minister. Tim is also an associate evangelist and he is a retired Air Force Colonel who serves as a pilot and pilot instructor for UPS. And he also is serving in his 12th year in the Kentucky State Legislature. In his spare time he serves the ministry by preaching and teaching at churches and conferences on the weekends. Now this is the third in a series of programs that we're doing in response to questions that viewers have sent to us. The first week we considered questions about the integrity of the Bible, Last week we took a look at general questions concerning Bible prophecy. This week we're going to focus on questions about the signs of the times. If you missed our previous programs you can find them on our website at lambline.com where we archive all of our TV programs for people to watch on demand. Okay fellas, I want to jump right into this discussion of the signs of the times. Now last week we mentioned how the attacks are increasing on uh, the Bible itself but they're also increasing on signs of the times. I just find people mocking them all the time saying, oh you guys are always setting dates and you're always saying this and you're saying that. And, and I just find people mocking increasingly. And, and it usually goes like this. They'll say, well we've heard that claim for the past 100 years. What else is new? Jesus will return when He wants to. There's nothing in the world that we can know about it. Jesus Himself said, no one can know when I'm going to return. Well, it sounds to me like the fellow whose wife was pregnant. He said, "You know, she keeps saying there's going to be a baby, but I just don't know. You know, nine months, and is—I don't know if there's ever a baby coming." Well, yeah, there's a baby coming, and the signs of that uh, baby's arrival become more and more apparent the further you get uh, in the nine-month development. You know, this is a sad fulfillment, quite frankly, of a Bible prophecy. That's right. Because end-time in, Bible prophecy. An end-time Bible prophecy in Second Peter chapter three. Uh, Peter revealed, and the Lord of course uh, showed him this, know this first of all, that in the last days mockers will come with their mocking, following after their lust, and saying, where is the promise of His coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep all continued just as it was from the beginning of creation. And, and that's what's happening, and sadly it's happening most of all within the church, yeah. of people scoffing and mocking. I think a lot of it's due to people date setting, and I think Satan inspires people to oh, date yes. set. Uh, because th when they set dates then the press focuses on it and people sell their homes and give money and people get and then it passes and everybody mocks. Right. And Satan loves that. Yes, because it's like yelling wolf and you yell wolf and wolf and wolf until finally nobody pays any attention anymore. Right. I think John had, or excuse me, Peter had to deal with this, like you said, same yes. chapter, and he explained why we're waiting for so long. But beloved, do not forget that this one thing, 
that with the Lord one day is a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. In other words, you know, we live finite lives, 70, 80, 90 years, but God, you know, a day to him is like a thousand, not is, but is like. And he says, the Lord isn't slack concerning his promise. In other words, his promise to return as some count slackness, but is long suffering towards us. And this is his reason not willing that any should perish, wow. but that all should come yeah. to repentance. What grace, what love. We what patience. Are, what, mercy. what patience. Well, I'm yes. glad he didn't come in 1972, <laughs> just before I accepted him. I'm glad he has given time for all of us to be believers. And, and many of our watchers, obviously, are very grateful that he's waited in his mercy and love. I'm glad he didn't become for 1972 because I wasn't even alive yet. Well, here, here. There you go. That's a good point. <laughs> well, you, you, you hinted at our next question, and that is, Jesus promised He would return soon, but it's been 2,000 years. What did He mean by soon? Well, that's one of the verses uh, that are promises that He makes in Revelation, not once, not twice, three times in Revelation. I'm coming back soon, I'm coming back soon, I'm coming back soon. We heard Peter say, for God soon is, is a long time, but it's an interpretation thing I think we get wrong. It doesn't mean soon as in it's going to be a certain amount of time. Immediacy. It means soon, immediacy. When He comes... It's going to, that's what quick. it's going to be. It's going to be quick. Uh, we read in so first, like lightning. Yeah, 1 Thessalonians 4 mm -hmm. yeah. and 1 Corinthians 15 tell us when the rapture of the church happens. I mean, we're here one second and Twinkly gone. The I think it also deals with perspective. One of the things that as a pilot I appreciate is, you know, driving along a road, and we've all experienced this, we don't know what's coming around the next bend. There may be a, a, an accident or a slowdown or some kind of uh, construction zone, and until we round that curve, we don't realize we're going to be stuck in traffic for mm -hmm. the next two hours. But if I get in an airplane and get above all that, I can see the road for many, many miles mm -hmm. to come. Well, God, in His perspective, is able to see human history from the beginning to the end and beyond. He is infinite. Right. And so His perspective is far beyond our own. And what seems like just a plodding along of the timeline of history, to God it is the next yeah, instant. That's a good illustration that I use a lot. To just draw a line and put a dot on it. That's where we are. This exactly. is the past, that's the future. But God is above and He sees the whole we thing. We call it a God's eye view. And that's what Scripture gives us. That's what Bible prophecy gives us is glimpses of that God's eye perspective of all of human history. And why would we not thrill to have that kind of revelation? And He's given it to us. Well, let's go to the next question. The person says, Some say Jesus cannot return until the church takes over the world and reigns for a thousand years. Is that correct? Well, clearly we do not believe so. Uh, the church is not doing a very good job of reigning. Even in this country that was founded on Christian principles, we seem to be straying very quickly. And so the church has not taken over in any kind of sense of reigning on the earth. We have a role to fulfill, and the Lord has called us to serve until His coming. And certainly we must do this that. This is called the post-millennial viewpoint yes. where the church is going to take over the world. And there are different views about that. Some believe it's going to be by the gospel. People will uh, respond to the gospel all over the world. Others believe it's going to be primarily through political activity. Uh, the church is going to take over the world. But the thing about that is that uh, if the church is going to take over the world, uh, the church is not doing a very good job of that because things are disintegrating before our very eyes. This is a kind of view that says things are going to get better and better and better. And things are not getting better and better and better. No. Well, it was a real popular view that fueled the great missionary activity of the 17 and That's 1800s. True. And then we get to the 1900s and world wars, and it's like the idea just died. And now all of a sudden we're seeing this great revival of 
I don't say great, I think it's sad, a revival of post-millennialism where these churches now are building these little kingdoms and satellite campus and things like that. And it's exciting. It's all great stuff. But they believe then that it'll keep growing and growing and eventually take over the world. And it's an idea that's been tried and died. I think that there's an essence of, or an element of humanism, thinking that yes. we as yes. human beings can aspire to greatness and we can do these great things. Obviously the church, we believe that the spirit is indwelling through us, but still, it, when humans are involved, there's gonna be a, a lack of perfection in terms of the outcome. And so I, I have no faith that we as human beings can hand over to the, the Lord the world restored to kind of some kind of perfection. Oh, Only He can make all things new. And it Amen. flies in the face of the verses that talk about His return. There's 500 verses in the Old Testament and 1 in 25 verses in the New Testament are about Jesus' second coming. And it exactly. gives us details about what His second coming will be like. To say that the church will, will everyone will get saved and then Jesus comes and we enter an eternal state, it is, you can't find that in the Bible. Yeah, you never see the, the church presenting the kingdom to Jesus. No, it's Jesus coming and establishing the kingdom. When the yes. world is at its worst. Yes, that's true. In fact, there are people uh, uh, who argue, our millennials argue that Jesus is actually, the millennial kingdom is going on right now. It began at the cross and it's continuing to this day and that uh, uh, Jesus is reigning over all the world through His church. All I got to say is if He's doing that, uh, he's doing a very bad job of it because well, the whole world is falling apart before our very eyes. Yes. And Satan is not in the picture for the well, last two thousand years. Yeah, well, they argue that Satan was 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 uh, uh, he was bound by the cross because we receive the indwelling of the Holy Spirit today. But the Bible says he's going to be he's going to be bound in a special way that he can no longer deceive the nations. <laughs> yeah. Every nation on planet Earth, including the United States of America, is deceived today. The Scripture calls Satan the ruler of the world. That's and right. He certainly and he is, is ruling today. All right. Jesus said in Matthew 24 that he would not return until the gospel has been preached to the whole world. Doesn't that mean it's going to be a long, long time yet before Jesus comes back? No, I, I don't think so. And I agree with what Nathan said. There has been great motivation in the past for people to go out preaching the Word. Even just in recent news, uh, we have the story of a, a man who tried to go to an island that had been isolated right. to uh, preach the Word of God to them, and he was tragically killed. We have folks who are motivated by a desire to preach the Word. But we don't understand exactly how this will take place in the very end, but we know that God says the whole world will have a presentation well, of the Well, this is certainly not a prophecy that has to be fulfilled before the rapture. No. I no, mean, the rapture can occur any moment. But it's certainly one that has to be fulfilled before the second coming of Jesus. And we're seeing that before, in, before our very eyes. I mean, in our lifetime, the gospel has gone out all over the world through the Jesus film, through satellite television. All kinds of ways, through the internet, the, the internet today, all over the world exactly. people are getting the gospel. We had a great show years back where we brought on somebody who's involved in Bible translation, and he was telling us about how much of the Bible is out there. It's like something like 90% of the world has Bibles in their own languages, and the rest is just little, you know, 300, Tribes of 400. Yet, yeah, yet, real let, tiny. Yeah. So it's going out in the whole world, but certainly that's not what then has to happen for Jesus to come and back. And actually this is not going to be fulfilled until the end of the tribulation. Because Second right at the end of the tribulation right. before the, the final pouring exactly. out of God's bowls of wrath, He's Two going to send angels. forth what I call a gospel angel who says it's going to circumnavigate the globe and preach the gospel to every last person on exactly planet earth. So. One last chance God's going to give. Isn't that always, amazing? always demonstrating His mercy and His love. But here once again we see within the lifetime of many of our viewers a fulfillment of this kind of prophecy oh. with the technology, with the outreach, mm -hmm. and yet we take for granted 
people hundreds of years ago would not have taken for granted the things that are able to happen today to spread the Word of God. Well, I remember a few years back uh, when Billy Graham gave a sermon from Puerto Rico. Why Puerto Rico? I don't know. But from Puerto Rico, it went out to over 150 nations of the world by satellite, many of them in the native they were translations. Yes. I was in Poland at the time and watched it on the street. They had big television sets that you could watch, screens. And um, it uh, followed up by 500 million pieces of literature in many different languages. They said that sermon was heard by more people than had heard the gospel in the entire history of Christianity. Wow. And in spite of that, we have people that scoff that we're living in the time <laughs> of the Lord's return. <laughs> I mean, please. And it doesn't, you hear that. They're scoffing because they believe the church needs to evangelize yeah. the world before Jesus comes. Now the church is doing a great job. The church doesn't need to be in the tribulation. Like you said, Dr. Reagan, yeah, we've yeah. got the gospel angel, but Jesus also will, our, being raptured will be yeah. a great proof, the literature we leave behind. The two we witnesses. The two witnesses that he's going to leave in Jerusalem for the first half of the tribulation. 144,000 yes. apostle Pauls running around oh. the world. Matter of fact, God makes it so that by the end of the tribulation, not only does every person know about Jesus Christ, but they've made a decision for Him or not. Oh, yes. Well, the grace of God is unfathomable, and the, the message of the book of Revelation is that even when God is pouring out His wrath, His fundamental purpose is not to punish, but to bring people to the end of themselves so that they will believe in Jesus as their Messiah. Amen. Dr. David Reagan's book, Living on Borrowed Time, presents a sweeping overview of the signs of the times that point to the imminent return of Jesus to this earth. It also contains a prophetic form in which 22 Bible prophecy experts respond to 11 questions about the signs of the times. Some of the experts include David Hawking, Jack Kinsella, Jan Markell, Ron Rhodes, Bill Salas, Gary Fisher, Nathan Jones, and Tim LaHaye. Dr. Reagan addresses the most commonly asked questions concerning the return of Jesus. The book can be yours for a donation of $20 or more, and that includes the cost of shipping. To order a copy, call the number you see on the screen Monday through Friday between 8 a.m. and 5 p.m. Central Time, or visit our website at lamblion.com. As a bonus, we will send you a copy of a special publication entitled, Are You Ready for the Lord's Return? This is a great witnessing booklet since it discusses what constitutes a true Christian, one who is an heir to the biblical promise of everlasting life with our Creator. Again, just call the number you see on the screen and ask for offer number 802. The Living on Borrowed Time book and the booklet can be yours for a gift of $20 or more, including shipping. Welcome back to Christ and Prophecy and our responses to questions about the signs of the times. Okay, Dave, we're ready. All right. Give us another question. Give us another. People keep saying that the reestablishment of the state of Israel in 1948 is the end time cornerstone prophecy that points to the Lord's soon return. Why do they say that? Why is what is happening among the Jewish people so important? Well, you touched on it earlier. The regathering of the Jewish people to the state of Israel would be a fulfillment of prophecy so magnificent that it would make even the deliverance from Israel pale in comparison. And we are seeing that in our very lifetimes. And the Lord also talked about the tree that would come back to life. And so people say that Israel coming back to life is a fulfillment of that prophecy and really starts that final clock ticking toward the Lord's return. Anything you want to add to that? I want to give you a few verses, if I may, that, that talk about how amazing Israel becoming a nation again. 
The fact Isaiah 11, 11 through 12 mm -hmm. prophesied that Israel be gathered not once from Babylon, but a second that's time. Right. That's happening today. That the nation itself, Isaiah 66, would be reestablished. That the Jews would have control over Jerusalem again. That's Zechariah 8. Ezekiel 36 tells us that the land would go from desolation to bounty. bounty. It's like a garden over there. That the Hebrew language that was a dead language would come by uh, back again. That's uh, Zephaniah 3, 9. And then Zechariah 12, 1 through 3, that all the world would be focused on Israel. You only have to look at what the UN's doing to know the whole oh. world is obsessed with obsessed. Israel right now. All these are happening in our day and time, and that means Jesus Christ is coming I think soon. you just gave a summary of my book, yes, Israel in Bible does. Prophecy, Past, Present, and Future. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you want the details, that's a fantastic well, all right, book. You mentioned something that yes. uh, uh, I want to come back to because it's very important, and I want us to focus on it for just a moment. In Matthew 24, Jesus gave the parable of the fig tree to indicate when He would return. In fact, that's very interesting. He's very specific in, in what He says about the end times. There will be this sign, this sign, this sign, this sign, this sign, this sign. Very easy to understand. But when it comes to the timing of His return, He suddenly moves to mysterious language, parable language, and says, watch the fig tree. What's that all about? Well, I believe that the, the fig tree, it, it's almost uncharacteristic. People think that Jesus is walking along in a season when some teachers will tell you there shouldn't have been figs, and certainly there were not figs on the tree, and He curses a tree, which probably took His apostles aback. Well, that was kind of different, but later He mm. explains that curse will last until you see that fig tree come back to life, and then it points to a timing issue. And well, so, actually the cursing of the tree was a symbolic prophecy. Yes. It was a symbolic of the fact that because Israel had rejected Him as Messiah, God was going to pour out wrath on them and set them aside for a file under discipline. Yes. Uh, and uh, so it's what we call symbolic prophecy. And because and they were not bearing fruit at the time. The very time. next day He comes along and sees that tree and says something else about it. And He says, watch the tree. And so that's why we who have been studying Bible prophecy recognize that Israel being the manifestation of that parable yes. tree has come back to life fulfilling those ancient prophecies that were repeated over and over again in the Old Testament. And so certainly that gives us a sense that we are living in the season of the Lord's return. And you know, 400 years ago the Puritans who really got involved in Bible prophecy were talking about the fact God's going to regather the Jewish people, He's going to reestablish the state. People just wrote them off as stark, raving, mad, crazy. In 1909 when C.I. Schofield wrote the Schofield Study Bible, he got to Ezekiel 38 and 39 said, I don't understand it, can't explain it, but the Bible says it, I believe it. In the end times Israel's going, uh, Russia's going to invade Israel. Well, Israel didn't even exist. There was no pro pro prospect they were going to. And yet here was a, a, a Russian Orthodox nation. It was a Christian Orthodox nation right. at that time. He couldn't, ex but he said, I believe it. And today we don't even stop to explain it. Exactly. What an amazing thing this is. For years people have looked forward to the reestablishment of the nation of Israel, and everybody said, crazy. Then it's established, and what does the world say? Well, it's a coincidence. <laughs> well, the significance is so dramatic. That is why we host pilgrimages to Israel. Yes. If you want to see with your own eyes what the Lord is bringing about, even in our lifetimes, come to Israel. See the fulfillment of these ancient prophecies before your very eyes. And that's why so many people who come with us come back shouting hallelujah Amen. and bearing testimony to their absolute conviction that Jesus is at the very gates and of heaven. And one of the things about that is that 95 percent if not more of all the tours that go to Israel, they land at Ben Gurion Airport, put people on a bus who are dead tired, drive for four or five hours to the Sea of Tiberias or up to Herzliya or Netanyahu, Net Netanya, and 
never spend one moment in Tel Aviv. No. Mm -hmm. But why is it important to we spend some time in Tel Aviv? We go to Tel Aviv because that's where Israel's Declaration of Independence occurred. That's where the that's modern where state of Israel Bible was established. Bible prophecy was fulfilled. That's where, exactly. Mm -hmm. And so we focus on the fulfillment of Bible prophecy, not just ancient sites where Jesus <laughs> was and where the Catholic Church built a, a facade, <laughs> but where we witness Bible prophecy being fulfilled before our very eyes. To me, that's always been one of the highlights of my whole trip to Israel is to go in that little tiny hall. Yes. Where maybe 100 people, 150 people were crammed in there where David Ben Gurion read the Declaration of Independence on May the 14th, 1948, fulfilling Bible prophecy. And this is the 70th year anniversary of that great event. Amen. Amen. Okay, well, besides Israel, what would you say are one or two of the most ma uh, major signs that we are living in the season of the Lord's return? Well, we touched on it earlier with the preaching of the gospel all around the world. I think the acceleration of technology, both for good in the case yeah. of sharing of the gospel, but also for bad. We've seen where many of us talk about our children and grandchildren using devices and oftentimes being able to access things that yeah. are harmful, but the acceleration both of good and bad via technology has to be one of the leading signs, and I call something else, social entropy. We're witnessing the breakdown even of our society founded on Christian principles and it seems to be accelerating. How much longer can we go on, a lot of people would ask, given the breakdown of society. Now with regard to the breakdown of society, watch his name, the, the uh, famous pastor from uh, uh, who said that the world is growing gloriously dark. Oh, Adrian, Adrian Rogers. Rogers. Adrian, Adrian Rogers. Yeah. Yes. And the average person has no idea what that means. The average Christian has no idea what that means. What does it mean when he says the world is growing gloriously dark? Well, it means that each of the signs that Jesus gave in Matthew 24 and Luke 21, when he said that wars, famines, pestilence, fearful events, signs in the skies, the world are break focused down on society, Jersey, yeah. the yes. break, all of these things would increase in frequency and intensity the closer we got to his return. It, the world would get darker. So Adrian Rogers, if, if I, I don't know what it was in his mind, but I believe he was saying that, yeah, that oh, is absolutely. that the world is getting darker just as prophesied, but it's glorious because it means Jesus Christ is coming. And Jan back. Markell has a saying similar to that. Do you remember what it is? She does. She yeah, they are falling apart. apart. They're, they're falling, falling into place. Not falling uh, apart. Uh, all the pieces are falling in place. Yes. yes. <laughs> well, even magazines, you talked about Newsweek in a couple of uh, yeah. episodes ago, but we have a magazine that uh, legislators get called Governing Magazine. And just a couple of years ago, they had a headline on the cover talking about the increase in the severity, the intensity, and the frequency of disasters like hurricanes and floods oh and natural yeah. disasters. They have no idea that that is a demonstration of the fulfillment of Bible prophecy. Right. You're our tech guy. Anything you want to say about the technical signs of the time? Well, I think that's one of the biggest prophecies. I'm glad you yeah. brought it up because you got to go back to Daniel 12. And Daniel was giving this prophecy about all these empires and the end times, and he was given all this information, and he's kind of scratching his head. He doesn't understand. And the, the angel's like, don't worry. You won't understand this until two things, knowledge will increase and travel will increase. You know, they say that the information that we consume in a day is what most people consumed in a lifetime just 100 years ago. We've seen computer technology, travel. You're a pilot. Yes. I mean, goodness, you Get see on the whole... airplane and go. We are seeing that, which then means Jesus Christ is coming soon. Yes, it does. Welcome back to Christ in Prophecy and our discussion of the signs of the times. 
Dave, I understand you have one more important question I for do, us but today. Before I ask that question, there's an observation I want to make, and that is that one of the signs we have not mentioned is a very, very negative one, and that is growing apostasy in the church. Now, there's a positive sign of the end times, and that is preaching the gospel all over the world. But uh, it's just terrible to think of the apostasy of the church today. I mean, 20 years ago, even 20 years ago, if you had mentioned to me that churches would be performing same-sex marriages and, and ordaining homosexuals, I'd say, well, you're crazy. But it's not only that the church is, a, is growing in apostasy, but at an exponential curve. Yes, and celebrating some of those very And celebrating apostasy. some of that stuff. Okay, the question that I wanted to ask you, a very important one, is this. What should we be doing as we wait for the return of the Lord? Well, I had a friend who uh, half-jokingly said, the Lord's coming soon. Look busy. And <laughs> I don't mean to scoff at this, but the point about it is we do need to be about His work. You know, it was posed the other day a question, what if the moment we were saved, we were translated into heaven? And literally, there were no believers. The Lord leaves us here because we are to be the Lord's workers here on earth. And until He comes, we should be about His business. And so I believe until He comes, we should be preaching the gospel. We should be encouraging fellow believers and helping the lost to find the Lord Jesus Christ. And so all of those things should take on an even heightened fervor as we recognize that it is coming anytime. Nathan? Well, that's for the believer. Let's talk about the unbeliever. Yes. Oh, they need to know Jesus Christ as their Today. Savior. You don't want to stay behind after the rapture and have to live through the tribulation. You don't want to have to go to hell. You want to be reconciled with your Creator. Look into that saved. camera there and tell an unbeliever what they need to do. <laughs> Jesus Christ died for your sins. Believe in Him that He is the Son of God and your Savior. Pray from your heart, dear Jesus, please forgive me of my sins and be my Savior. And He promises to forgive you of your sins, clean the guilt, and you inherit the promises of eternal life with Him. We don't have the promise of another day. So you cannot wait to make that declaration and that decision to accept Jesus Christ. Amen. I'd like to respond to the question I asked about what should we be doing as we wait for the Lord's return by just reading a scripture. This is in Titus chapter 2 beginning with verse 11. The grace of God has appeared bringing salvation to all men. Folks, that's the first coming of Jesus. Then it jumps to the second coming. Next verse. Instructing us. Now here's what we're to do as we wait for the coming of the Lord. Deny ungodliness deny worldly desires, live sensibly, live righteously, live godly in the present age. And then one final thing, live looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus. Exactly. Live with an eternal perspective. Don't get so caught up in this world that your focus is on the world, but have an eternal perspective. One final question. When you look at all the signs of the times, most people will say the most important is Israel, but there's really one sign that's more important than all that. One sign that is now upon us for the first time ever. What would that be? That would be convergence. The Con fact that all the signs are happening at the same time. Yes, yes, for the first time. There's always been times when we say, well, this is happening and that's happening and this is happening, but this is the first time where we see all the signs converging. And that is a clear indication that we're living in the season of the Lord's return. Amen. We want to make it clear to our viewers that we are not date setters. We do not no. say we know what date Jesus is returning, what date the rapture is going to occur. We don't know that. But what we do know is that we're living in the season of the Lord's return because the Bible gives us signs to look for. And the Lord does that because He does not wish that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. So He wants us to know the signs. And we should 
pay attention to those signs. They're shouting from the heavens that Jesus is returning very soon. Any final comments about signs? No, I just, just say that once you get an understanding of this great promise being fulfilled before our very eyes, your excitement about serving the Lord here and now, about living in a holy effort every single day, and about evangelizing your friends and those who are lost all around us, it takes on a greater fervor. And that's what our hope is even for our viewers. Yes, it takes on a greater fervor and gives you much greater hope for the future. Amen. Well, folks, that's our program for this week. I want to thank both Tim and Nathan for their contributions to, we're going to have some more programs in the future where we're going to be answering questions. Till next week at this same time, I hope you'll be with us. Until then, this is Dave Reagan speaking for Lamb and Lion Ministries saying, look up, be watchful, for our redemption is drawing near. Thank you for joining us on today's Christ in Prophecy, a presentation of Lamb and Lion Ministries, a non-denominational ministry dedicated to teaching the fundamentals of biblical prophecy and proclaiming the soon return of Jesus. 